Hi, I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome my lovely friend, Amma Ravensong, who is an energy medicine practitioner, a psychotherapist, Reiki master, and a beautiful singer. Amma focuses on teaching people about their energetic anatomy, as well as guiding them towards the divine will for their life. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Anna, welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Uh, thank you, Whitney. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. So wonderful to have you. Mm, thank you. Now, you've offered to do a returning presence exercise with mm-hmm. myself and the audience to get us started. Mm-hmm. We would love to have that experience with you if you'd like okay. to. Okay. All right, so I'll talk us through so people who are listening can follow along. And I'll just say real quick, what is returning presence? So um, we have this extensive energetic anatomy. And one of the things that we have in our anatomy is actually our divinity, you know, our spirit or our soul or our divinity, whatever you want to call it, the light of our consciousness. And it actually is a ball of light and it actually has an anatomical place in your body and then your energy structure where it is designed to reside. But our divine presence is so polite and so patient that it never intrudes. So it often is hovering above our heads, just kind of hanging out, waiting for acknowledgement and an invitation. And um, when it gets the invitation, it is immediately available and responsive. So what we're going to do in returning presence is we are going to visualize a beautiful golden yellow ball of light that looks just like the sun, like a miniature version of the sun. And we're going to bring it uh, into our hands and then through our body, we're going to park it down in our pelvic bowl and we're going to have it expand in all directions. And the goal of this is number one, to establish a conscious collaborative relationship with your own divinity. And number two, to start interacting with your energetic anatomy in a really meaningful way, such that you are inside the atmosphere of your own divinity. Um, So this is a really beautiful practice. You will find a practice very similar in like Qigong, you know, the gathering breath, for example. So you'll find it in other places, but this is a a beautiful practice everybody can do no matter what religion or tradition they already belong to if they have one. So what we're going to do is we're going to raise our hands above our head and close your eyes. And your um, anatomy responds really beautiful to your own voice. So you're going to kind of imagine like a beach ball sized ball of light and you're going to say beloved presence. Please come into my hands. And you're going to visualize kind of a beach ball sized ball of light that looks just like the sun. And you'll either sense it or feel it or imagine it. People have different ways of sensing. You might feel a little bit of an orb, 
a vibration or a pulsing. So just when you sense that something is there or imagine something's there, now you're gonna say, beloved presence, please come into my head. And you can take a nice deep breath in and then you're gonna lower your hands down on either side of your head. And you're just gonna allow this beautiful ball that is your own divinity to fill in your brain, all the nooks and crannies in your brain, your skull, all of the energetic and physical anatomy in your head. And you can say, I think this is a good idea. <laughs> and now we're going to... And you're going to bring your hands down around your throat. You're going to allow this beautiful ball of light, like a sun, to fill up your throat, all the physical and energetic anatomy there. And you can say your name like this. My name is Ama, or I am Ama. You know, you could say your own name. And now you can say, beloved presence, please come into my chest. And if it's comfortable, you can put a hand on the back of your chest and a hand on the front of your chest. And just allow this beautiful golden ball of light to fill in your chest cavity, all of your physical and energetic anatomy there. And you can say out loud, I love my presence. Hmm. And we're going to slide our hands down to the solar plexus, right under that V in the rib cage in the front and the other hand on the back. You can say, beloved presence, please come into my solar plexus. Allow that beautiful golden light to fill in all the physical and energetic anatomy there. This is very calming to the nervous system, very centering. You can say, being present feels good. And then you can slide your hands down to about your belly button area. Beloved presence, please come into my belly. Imagine this beautiful golden ball of light filling up all your internal organs, filling up your whole spine. And you can say, being present is nourishing. And then another nice deep breath in. Allow your hands to slide down to the front and back of your pelvic bowl, back hand on your sacrum, front hand just above the pubic bone. You say, beloved presence, please come into my pelvic bowl. And you're going to imagine this beautiful, huge ball of light parking itself inside like the fruit bowl of your pelvis, so to speak. And you can even make like a little locking gesture, like, like you're clicking it into place. And you say, please stay here all day. And you can say, I am present. Hmm. Now what you're going to do is you're going to ask this presence to expand side to side as big as it can get till it goes all the way out to the very outside edge of your energy structure. And it knows where that is. <laughs> it's about 25 feet in all directions. Hmm. 
And then say, beloved presence, please expand up and down all the way to the outer edge of my energy structure. Again, about 25 feet in all directions. Good. And I ask you, please, to expand front and back. Go to the outside edge of my energy structure. And then when you feel complete with that, you can like open your eyes and just notice how quiet and calm and grounded it feels to have your presence return. That, I start my day with that practice and I, I find it very, very supportive. That was Thank so you. wonderful. <laughs> Thank you for doing that with me. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for that. I, I could feel that energy so strongly, especially mm -hmm. with the arms above the head and just feeling that. That was really beautiful. So Amma, you have quite a wide range of gifts and services that you offer and a lot of passions that you've shared that are so incredible and that I'm in such awe of and so excited about hmm. because there's, they're all such a big part of this new movement that's happening. You know, there's changes happening in our world. There's something that wants to be welcome in, brought in, and you are playing a part in ushering that in. Hmm. So I'd love for you to start by sharing with us what you're doing right now. What, what point have you reached? Because it seems you reached a point where you're doing the work that you want that your it sounds like your soul's work, and what does that look like? Yeah. Oh well, I'm an energy medicine practitioner of sacred anatomy energy medicine, and um, Reiki master, psychotherapist, uh, all kind of woven in together into this unique tapestry. And um, I just really dedicate myself to uh, divine will for my life. You know that just. Every day, my prayer is, you know, how can I be of service? Um, and right now, what that looks like is I'm raising a beautiful little boy and seven rescue animals. And I'm working as an, um, a woman who educates other people about their energetic anatomy and teaches them energetic empowerment. Um, introducing people to the actual factual reality that we are all magnificent beings of active, intelligent light. And what does that mean? Like, what is the human energy structure? Like, how do we use our energetic anatomy? How can we claim our intuitive power? How can we connect with our inner guidance in a reliable way? Um, how can we uh, really clear personal, relational, intergenerational, karmic conditioning, trauma, and debris, um, and really liberate ourselves to live an inspired life of authentic self-expression and give our own unique medicine to the world in a way that's really inspiring and joyful for us and contributes to the greater good. Um, and so I work as an energy medicine practitioner. I, I have this thing called the... Um, Chalice of Light Women's Energetic Empowerment Program. It's a blend of one-on-one -on -one sessions with me and uh, group healings on the eight earthly Shabbats, which are the, the solstices, the equinoxes, and then the four cardinal holidays in between, where I do group energetic activations, empowerments, and education. 
And uh, my goal is really to light up women leaders all around the world. <clears throat> and my vision is if I looked at the globe, uh, you know, like you would see from outer space, you know, planet Earth, <laughs> my vision is that there are all these lights all over the earth that are women who are awake and in their spiritual power, uh, who are actively using their energetic anatomy and really listening to the divine will for their lives. And they are awake and empowered and active and giving their medicine to the world in a way that the whole earth is wrapped in this web of light that is uh, the divine feminine consciousness and this uh, transformational power of awakening and healing uh, for our earth and all of her inhabitants, including all other species in the earth herself. So... Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm really, really passionate about educating everybody about their energetic anatomy, not just women. But, um, you know, it's it's I really believe that humanity is awakening and that in order to be fully equipped and educated, that an energetic literacy is important. You know, that it's time as we awaken and expand into our greatest level of consciousness, it makes sense that we expand into a complete knowing of who we are as energetic beings and how to use our equipment, so to speak. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And um, I think that's so fantastic because for so many people, spirituality and energy feel so nebulous. So they don't mm -hmm. really know how to get into it because it feels so hard to grasp onto it, literally, right? It's the unseen forces, yet they're very real. However, people sort of sidestep it because because they don't really know how to take actual steps towards it. But it sounds like that's your work is to offer that knowledge about it, some actual information and direction about what this is and, and also get them excited about it. Something that they have access to, that each individual has their own energy system to get curious about their own energy anatomy, which is so cool to think about. Yeah. And what I love about energetic anatomy is applicable to everybody. You know, it, energetic anatomy is not just for rare people like me who are energy medicine practitioners. It's also for anybody who's a healer, anybody who's a physician and anybody who is a human that has an energetic structure. You know, <clears throat> um, it's just who we really are. And so, so I'm so excited about everybody coming to really fully understand the magnificence of who they are and the brilliance of our divine design and that there is so much power available in that. You know, when you think about, for example, <clears throat> I'm going to just uh, encourage people to go and look at Desda Zuckerman's book. It's called Your Sacred Anatomy, an Owner's Manual to the Human Energy Structure. And um, it's on Amazon and it's free on Kindle. But even if you just look at it on Amazon, uh, you'll see the front cover of the book and you'll see a beautiful outline of a human being. And then outside of that human body, you'll see eight additional layers of different colors of bands of, of energy around the human being. So for example, even if you just looked at that picture, the human physical body is only um, one ninth of our entire energetic structure. So there is so much around us and so much to us and if we can learn how to consciously use, embody, and interact with the power and resources in our divine design of our energy structure, it's amazing what we can accomplish and give to the world. Yes, definitely. 
And again, that's so exciting to me because I think that people don't really consider themselves to be miraculous mm. or to be as incredible as we truly are or as powerful, yeah. right? But not in terms of, we, we've really come to see power as very external, you know, what yeah. we can uh, um, accumulate, what we, how we're regarded, um, what stature we have. However, what you're introducing to people is no, it's, it's, it's innately with you. It's, it's your system. It's who you are that you can tap into. That's, that's very remarkable just in and of itself. Yeah. And, and it is, uh, it has consciousness to it and it's responsive, you know, and I love, and I don't know exactly how people say Kabbalah or Kabbalah, but in that, in that tradition, you know, they teach that we are uh, 1% physical and 99% energetic and that basically is true about everything so it, yeah let's learn about the 99% <laughs> yeah what's in there and how do we use that yes and we'd love to hear more I would like though if you could take us back where did this passion start Ama when did you first have you always been in, in the knowing of your energy and how to work with it or when did this first when was this first born for you well, you know, I think like many people on this planet, <clears throat> I have been empathic, you know, my whole life and very sensitive my whole life. I've always been able to read other people's emotions and energy. I've always been able to sense like what's going on in a room, um, but I didn't have any skills, you know, it's just mostly overwhelmed <laughs> most of the time. Um, and I grew up in a family there where there was a lot of trauma in my childhood home for various reasons that I won't dive into at this point. But I, I suffered from um, a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression and a lot of uh, what I would call sort of empathic overwhelm. Um, and so, you know, I think when people encounter trauma in their life, there's basically two responses. You know, one response is to kind of shut down or be affected by it or get trapped in it or have the trauma itself be somehow a focus of our lives. And the other is to go in the opposite direction and say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to change this. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to find out more. I'm going to get information and power. And so I think that my own background in my own uh, early childhood trauma kind of inspired me to learn about healing. And then what was really exciting was that um, when I was in high school, my mother was in the Barbara Brennan School of Healing. And it was at that time, it was in New York City. And um, so the, for the four years that I was in high school, she was in healing school, you know, and she would go away to her workshops and when she'd come back and she would talk about, you know, energetic anatomy and, and light and, you know, healings and stuff like that. So I was really inspired by that. And I, I read her books. <laughs> um, and then I went to college to become a, you know, to study psychology. Uh, I became a Reiki master. I did a lot of wilderness trip leading for Outward Bound and did a lot of kind of wilderness therapy kind of stuff. Um, eventually I went to graduate school to get my master's degree in counseling psychology um, and I also became a Reiki master. And one of the things that I saw in working as a therapist is that, you know, therapy has been very helpful for many people. For many and yet, because it doesn't address the energetic anatomy at all, um, it, it has some pretty strict limitations, I think. 
Um, and there's certain things you can do uh, talking about your trauma or your experiences or what's going on in your life, but there's more that you can do if you can actually address the roots of those issues where they are stored in the energetic anatomy. And I also found working as a Reiki practitioner uh, that you know, when I was trained in Reiki, it was Reiki is an intelligent energy. It knows where to go and it knows what to do and it will do whatever it needs to do. You don't even need to know what it's doing. Just send it and it will go. And that's true. It works. It's kind of miraculous and amazing. I still do a lot of Reiki uh, during surgical support and in birth support. And yet I did find it quite vague, you know, like the, the most, the most training we got in, um, working with the energetic anatomy with Reiki was, well, you can beam the field. That was it. And I, I wanted more information. I'm like, well, what's the field, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was working as a psychotherapist and, and I was also doing Reiki long distance with people all over the world. And then I came across Des Des book, Your Sacred Anatomy. And it was the map that I had been searching for. It was like, finally, I discovered this extensive mapping of the energetic anatomy. And in addition to that, hundreds and hundreds of procedures uh, for clearing specific kinds of traumas and activating specific kind of powers and resources within the energetic anatomy that she developed as well. And so I did her entire practitioner training and have been doing long distance energy medicine since 2014 with people all over the world. And so um, I feel so blessed, you know, to have all of these different forms of healing that I can offer, but to have the map of the energetic anatomy and all of these procedures is just, it's such a huge blessing and it's um, really helps me to help people uh, very deeply and thoroughly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible work. And can you, can you share a little, you know, my, myself as a therapist, um, I, I absolutely understand the challenge of addressing trauma and really getting to getting deep down enough to begin to heal it. It's very hard in talk mm -hmm. therapy alone to do so. Yeah. Just because it's it's hard to access. It is energetic, right? It's stored energy. When we're traumatized, it's stored in our bodies, it's stored mm -hmm. in our being, in our energy field, I would mm -hmm. imagine. Mm -hmm. And so how did you start to work with people? And what does that look like to energetically work with somebody on healing trauma and, and addressing trauma? Well, I think one thing that's really profound about this body of work is that there is not a hierarchical relationship of like the therapist and the client you know, or the practitioner and the client. It's a collaborative relationship, number one. Number two, all sessions are led specifically by the intelligence of the client's human energy structure. So let me just say, I want to just like describe my words a little more clearly. So when I say the human energy structure, what I'm talking about is the physical body and all of the layers of the energetic structure, like I said, there's eight layers outside the physical body that go out about 25 feet in all directions. And then overlaid within that field are seven different anatomical systems, energetic anatomical systems, right? They're very similar to the systems of the physical body. Like there's a elimination system, there's a nervous system, you know, there's a circulatory system, for example. And so just as I'm going forward in the rest of this podcast, I'm going to say the word human energy structure, and that's what I mean. We also refer to it as the one body because 
it's important for people to understand that it's not a separate physical body with an energy field around it. We are an, an energetic being that contains within the center of our energy, we have a physical body that's part of our energy structure that happens to be made of congealed light, right? But it's all light. And so um, in doing work with, with the energy structure, it is the energy structure itself that guides the session. So um, as the practitioner, I am not uh, coming forward with like any kind of agenda or any kind of techniques or strategies or trainings or implementations that I think are a good idea and would be helpful. Um, I am deferring completely to the intelligence of that person's energy structure. And I find that really empowering because you can't be a quote unquote broken, traumatized person and at the same time be like seeing yourself as a magnificent being of active, intelligent light. So as soon as we start saying, okay, you've had some trauma, let's allow your energy structure to guide us in this healing experience they're realizing already right off the bat that they are an expansive being, um, that they are not broken, that they are whole, that they are intelligent, and that their body and their structure knows exactly what is needed in what order and how to proceed. So, um, you know, the person who's coming, quote unquote, for the healing, it's their energy structure that is the expert, and I'm the facilitator. And I find that super respectful and empowering to the people. Um, and of course, you know, in, in becoming trained, I had to experience every single procedure that we were taught, you know? So I've been the client for every single procedure that I've ever done. And so I know what it's like to be on the receiving end and how empowering and inspiring it is you know, to say like, uh, I really can do this, you know, like healing is not an arduous thing. Healing, there's this thing that I love that I learned in the Hakomi training that I did, um, which is this thing called the organicity principle, which is basically this principle of life, which is that when given the uh, supportive environment, uh, an organism will naturally and easily move towards expansion and healing, right? So um, with this work, when you think about it, relaxing and expanding into the intelligence of your own energy structure, like you literally are giving yourself a sacred energetic space within your own being to allow the unfurling, unfolding healing and expansion to happen uh, beautifully according to the organicity principle. And so, you know, I find that that is really powerful. Another thing that we do in this work that makes it very um, unique is that we use a dowsing rod, which I know might sound a bit, a bit kind of woo-woo, but it's very similar to how a doctor would use like a blood pressure cuff or a stethoscope, you know, to take different baseline measurements of well-being in your physical body. The dowsing rod is used to take measurements um, of how the energy structure is working, um, its level of uh, efficiency, if there's different forms of compensation going on. And then it, we can also douse 
using the intelligence of the energy structure, we get answers about exactly what procedures are needed and in exactly what order. <clears throat> so again, it takes the agenda of the practitioner and the ego of the practitioner completely out of the equation and um, puts the practitioner in a position of being someone with a lot of expertise who is facilitating a miraculous healing of that person experiencing the expansiveness and intelligence of their own energy structure. Yeah. So everything you just said is, is remarkable because it really does hint to that our our energy is, it is a, a functioning organism and it will organize itself and heal itself given the, is it just, does it need the capacity to do so? Does it need the the you know, allowance? How do we move into a place where our bodies are just sort of healing themselves and able to to un- unfold in that way you just described? Well, one of the things I think is really special is to do that returning presence practice because there you're consciously establishing a relationship with your own divinity. Um, and then just basically to just expand one's awareness to the fact that you are a magnificent being of intelligent light. Um, and that's you, that's actually your anatomical design. You know, it's not airy, fairy, new age thinking. It's just anatomical, you know. Um, and so if we just allow ourselves to be that, you know, I feel like we don't have organicity can, you know, arise and flow within the being. Um, this practice helps people to heal from trauma without being re-traumatized. It's like, literally like the most fun way of healing from trauma that I think is available. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Definitely. Because that's one of the greatest barriers as far as talk therapy is having to reshare and sort of relive the experience when they're describing it in order to, to get to it, to identify it, that can be upsetting for the client. It can be upsetting and also that limits us to our conscious awareness of the story. You know, um, we don't know just in sharing with words about what happened to us, what's going on in the energetic nervous system, what's going on in the chakras, what's going on in the layers, you know, what kind of karmic stuff there could be included in this, you know, what kind of, you know, I could go along with a whole bunch of lingo, but there's so much more than what the conscious mind is aware of and what the mouth can uh, express in words. Right. And would you say, Amma, that, you know, when we think about our circumstances now, which is that most people are not aware of this kind of work, they don't engage in, in their energy work. And, you know, one of your main premises for your work is human consciousness is ascending. That's one of your concepts that you're wanting to, to share. Mm-hmm. Our understanding of who we are is expanding. Do you think that it's because we find ourselves in a a limited state of consciousness, we don't recognize who we truly are, and therefore we don't know how to truly heal. We don't know what's going on when we get traumatized. Because what I find, and I'm sure you found as a therapist, when people um, experience a trauma, they don't know how to process it. They don't know how to make sense of it. And so they store it and then they have a lot of shame about it. They have shame that it happened. They can't separate themselves from the event. You know, we, we are not our trauma. We're not what happened to us yet. That's a big part of our, our pain is that we think we are. We think it's our fault. We think it's shameful. Um, and, I, and I feel like that ties into being at a level of consciousness where we don't see the bigger picture. We, we are, we're limited 
um, to how we view ourselves. So how do, do you see us evolving to a point where we just automatically know that nothing that happens to us can can really change us permanently, that it's just something that might pass through our energy? Or how do you kind of conceive of that? Well, I think there's there's lots of different layers to it. First of all, um, I think we inherit a lot of trauma, like genetically, epigenetically, energetically from our lineage, you know? So I think right off the bat, there's material there. Um, I also think that inadvertently, like, yes, people experience trauma as children, but there's a lot of inadvertent trauma, you know, like being raised in a culture that uh, has a domineering parenting style or, you know, where things like spanking when I was a kid, you know, were routine ways of discipline and stuff. So there is different forms of shaming and contraction that that people pick up along the way just from being in whatever culture or um, conditioning that they're in. Um, and I do think that uh, we store a lot of energy and information in our physical bodies and our energy structure. Now, of course, we don't know the energy structure is there. We can't what's in there. So it will link, right? Um, psychotherapy practices, including the Hakomi training that I uh, am certified in, that uh, once you start addressing how trauma rests in the physical body, it can unwind and come out. But when you start understanding energy, you understand that there is there are things like, for example, let me let me introduce you to the concept of a signature, right? So uh, a signature, just like you would see a signature signed on a piece of paper in like indelible ink, right? A signature is an impression, an energetic impression of a of a, either a trauma or an accident or a, an illness or an event um, or a substance. So. Uh, let's say somebody has a, a really bad car accident, you know, and then your physical body will eventually heal, right? But the, the energetic impact and the memory of that car accident is still stored as a signature in the structure. So in the body and in the energy structure, again, because the body is part of the energy structure. <clears throat> and so if we can remove the signature of the accident itself, then there's much more energy that can move that is available for expansion and growth because it's not having to contend with and compensate for the fact that there's this energy stuck in the structure that's holding and repeating over and over again the story of the accident, the accident, the accident, right? So for example, that is one way that we can become aware of, of energy and how it's stored in, in the energy structure um, and clear things, you know, beyond just talking about them. So does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. About how yeah. that's, you know, sort of what the reality is of, of a trauma. And I love that term, a signature, mm-hmm. because it does, it feels like something that's sort of been been stamped on us or that's, mm-hmm. you know, been declared. And it's just a matter of sort of releasing that title and then allowing things to sort of that trauma, that energy to break up. Yeah. And another important piece is teaching people what I call energetic hygiene or energetic self-care, you know? So as we go throughout any day, for example, we have threads of energetic connection to people and places and circumstances and situations and different things that we experience, you know, like the, the news or something like that. And then if we have like a, a 
an argument or even an in-depth conversation, you know, with another person, there'll be a thread of connection to that other person. So naturally through the course of the day, once you move away from those things and, and you move on through your day, those threads of connection are supposed to dissolve and sometimes they do. But occasionally you'll have other people's energy or the energy of people, places, things, situations, circumstances, like literally connected to you energetically. And of course, that is a drain, right? We're supposed to be energetically sovereign and and complete beings that interact with each other, but don't merge and hold energetically. So teaching people energetic self-care is super empowering because then we can have clean relationships with the world and with other people. And we can have all of our own life force energy circulating in our own structure to help express our authentic self and help this organicity principle, like help us to expand up and out into our divine design and and really live our divinely inspired life rather than dealing with a whole bunch of like complications and, and um, compensations. (laughs) Right. So that's another thing is, um, just like we brush our teeth and we shower daily, you know, like how can we actually keep our energy structure hygienically clean and clear? Yes. Do you have some tips for us? Do you have some usable (laughs) tips that people can do daily to really kind of, and how do you visualize it? Do you see it as sort of like, I'm picturing cobwebs or something, something that kind of speaks to us. How can we, you know, do some, some clearing of those cobwebs throughout the day when something is really kind of coming into our field and affecting us? Yeah. Well, the first thing is to become aware of it, you know, like the, for example, there'll be times when I'm, I'm laying in bed and I'm like, gosh, I'm tired. I really, really wish I was sleeping right now, but there's some energetic agitation going on, which is like why I can't sleep. So I'll do something called severing entanglements, you know, and these, you know, you, you can imagine some kind of cutting implement. Some people will say, okay, well, I'll cut around you front, back, side, side, up, down, all around, say thank you, hand the sword back and say like, literally like, I now push away all the energy that's not mine, push away all the energy that's not mine in all directions. And like, you're like literally like giving people's energy, persons, places, things, situations back to where it came from with respect, you know, like you need this. I don't need your energy. You need it, you know? And then I imagine a beautiful bubble of light that I call divine love and divine intelligence around the outside of my energy structure, like a filter. And I'll call back all of my own life force energy. So front, side, side, back, top, bottom, in all directions, you know, I'll literally like reach out and pull in. I now reclaim all of my own life force energy from all persons, places, things, and situations. And I imagine it coming through the filter so that it's getting clean and clear, like it's leaving the the residue of wherever it came from in the filter (laughs) and it's coming back and it's like filling up my gas tank. Right. Then I can peel off that layer of light, like a banana peel and like hand it up to the angels to take it away. And then my gas tank is full. And what I love about that is, you know, sometimes people feel like it's rude to disconnect from other people, but I actually think it's respectful. You know, like if you have an energetic entanglement with someone, it's not helping them. And it's not helping you and it's not going to resolve the situation, right? So it's actually a loving thing to do to say, you know what? I'm feeling like I'm enmeshed with this person. I'm going to cut the cords. I'm going to lovingly send their energy back and reclaim my energy. I feel like it's an act of respect and love for ourselves and for the other person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I encourage that with my clients a lot. 
because as you just said, people often think, no, you know, I, I don't want to disrespect that person. I can't, I can't let them know that I need a little bit of space or that I need to kind of keep my energy. And I ask them, I say, well, do you, is it okay with you that you're disrespecting yourself? <laughs> Why is it okay to respect another, but be, be disrespectful to yourself and, and your energy? Yeah. You know, and that gets them thinking about our, is the respect of myself any less than the respect of another? No, if we're all connected, if it's all equal, it's important to, to give yourself your energy, to have your, your energy and not be giving it away. And, you know, because of course there's exchange of energy, right? It's, it's meant to be reciprocal, but when it's becomes one-sided and we're only giving, we get drained. You know, as you, as you mentioned the gas tank, I always use that analogy is when, when we, you know, just expend all our energy to others, it's a disservice to both people because we can't come across as our best self, as our authentic self, when we don't have it to give, when we're, you know, at empty, an empty tank. Yeah. And it's not beneficial to that person to have their energy in your structure either, because it's a drain for them. Yeah. You know, so it really is a win-win to have energetic hygiene and energetic self-care. So that is something that I train people in, you know, there's, you know, there's probably about a dozen different energetic self-care things we can do. Another thing that's really beneficial is to take a either a foot bath or a soaking bath or even a shower with a, a mixture of baking soda and sea salt. Mm. You know, it's just, uh, I don't exactly know how to describe what it does energetically, but I think of it as like a self-love, self-care ritual of like really owning the sanctity of your body and allowing uh, stress uh, to dissolve out of the body and um, really nurturing oneself. And whenever we do a significant procedure, you know, like a removal of a karmic wound or removal of a template wound, which is early childhood trauma in the uh, nervous system of the energetic anatomy, you know, we always encourage people to return presence daily, you know, so they start learning a new habit of living uh, inspired and embodied by their own divinity and, you know, taking a salt and soda bath after a big session and practicing energetic hygiene. It's really a new way of learning how to live. You know, I feel like those of us who ha have been healers or have wanted to contribute to healing the world, uh, we're kind of raised in this paradigm, either consciously or unconsciously as, I have to take on the pain of others in order to help alleviate pain in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, I have to carry other people's emotions for them. I have to be energetically enmeshed. I have to be like, I can't be happy and fully self-expressed because I believe that those of us who are light workers um, have work to do. And if we're so busy, like being held or by the heaviness or carrying the burdens of other people's pain and trauma in the world in general, then we can't really contribute as much as we had hoped to when we came here. So um, there is suffering in the world. And I think one of the best things that we can do to alleviate it is to learn how to consciously live as expanded beings of magnificent, energetic, intelligent light and to practice energetic self-care and to really live our inspired lives of our own authentically expressed soul's purpose. And what does that mean? You know, because when we're on fire with like divine inspiration, then we can really change the world and enjoy our lives in the process. Yes. You know? Totally. 
And just everything you're saying, I just have this visual of people seeing themselves as just this, this force, you know, in, in such a magnificent way, which what we see so often is people right now, people don't really like themselves very much, you know? So it's sad, but it's, it's true. I mean, as a therapist, I see it every day. And, and just even with, you know, amongst friends and social circles, you know, we usually talk down about ourselves in our, and to ourselves in our own minds, but also we, you know, we, people are often self-deprecating because we don't see ourselves as the way you're describing ourselves. I feel like if we saw what you see probably in your mind's eye, but maybe you also kind of see this energy we would think, oh my gosh, I'm incredible. Like this beautiful yeah. butterfly that just has this, this, you know, just force field around them, but we don't see that. So, you know, as you said earlier, we, we give ourselves away, we deplete ourselves. We don't, cause we don't see that we're this big functioning, basically ecosystem that needs yeah. to be cleared, that needs to be taken care of. And once we work in harmony with that, uh, we will be expressing authentically and we will be all living for the highest good because we all see our own worth and the worth of others. That's not conditional on anything outside of us, but it's just inherent to what we are. Yeah. And I think this is important for parents too, because our children come to this earth, like already awake to who they really are already with a soul's purpose intact and a mission for their lives, like already tapped in, tuned in and turned on as Abraham would say, right? Yeah. Um, And then they get different messages. If we can see our children, even though they're little beings with little bodies who, you know, aren't maybe intellectually grown up yet, but they are truly intelligent beings. And if we can see them as that from day one, you know, and hold that vision for them, uh, then, you know, maybe they'll, they'll be able to remember instead of forgetting, maybe they'll be able to retain the truth of who they are. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate. I have this whole program called Energetic Midwifery, where I work with people who are preparing for parenthood. And they, you know, they can be gay couples or people doing surrogacy pregnancies or adoption or, you know, any form of any kind of person becoming a parent. Um, I will work with the parents to help them clear their own personal, relational, intergenerational, and karmic conditioning trauma and debris so that the children don't have to come in and kind of help carry that burden. They, they can be liberated to come into like a clear, sacred, energetic space um, that's welcoming them and welcoming them as conscious beings of light who came here for their own soul's purpose, right? Um, and I help them with conscious conception, pregnancy, and birth and parenting, And I also support the birth process using energy medicine, long distance. And I also give them a lot of information about how to avoid the accidental traumas that kids experience, you know, educating parents about uh, circumcision, for example, um, educating them about listening to your baby's spirit name. um, And that if you name them their spirit name, every time you say their name, it's a confirmation of who they really are and what they really came here for. How do you um, how do you identify a child's spirit name? Oh, okay. So when I was pregnant, this was inspired by my own pregnancy, right? So when I was pregnant, I was in this beautiful class, but this woman named Susan Bradford called The Birth Journey. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. And basically what it said is, you know, your child is an awake, fully formed, intelligent 
soul. And they came here with a specific goal and something to share in this lifetime. And if you name them their spirit name, then every time you say their name, it reminds them of who they really are and what they came here for. Um, and so I, I was so inspired by that. I thought, wow, that's really cool. Because most people just make a list and be like, I don't know, grandmother's name in there, great grandmother's name in there. It's this name I like, you know, that sounds good. Um, yeah, just- but why not listen for their spirit name? That's cool. So I did, I listened and I, my, I have a little boy and the, and the name Teo, T-E-O came through. And I was like, wow, I've never heard that name in my whole life, but I really like it. Um, and I tried other names, you know, like Taylor or, you know, other names, boys' names. And I was like, no, they just don't feel right. Like Teo just was like down and I was like, oh, this is my name. Um, and then I looked it up and it means God, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like uh, theology or something like that. So I was like, well, awesome. My kid is named God. So then he's really going to remember his own divinity every day. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I taught this to my clients, you know, cause I had a lot of people who were coming to me unsure if they really wanted to be mothers uh, or people who really wanted to be mothers who were petrified of giving birth Um. And so in addition to helping them clear their own childhood trauma and their own past life trauma around, you know, dying in childbirth or, or having unpleasant experiences or something, um, I would introduce this concept of the baby's spirit name. And one woman um, listened for her baby's name and got Orion. And then I was supporting his birth. And it was really beautiful because outside the hospital window, you could see the horizon, the trees and the sky. And there was a bit of a delay in the delivery and the pushing phase. Um, and so I was doing some energy work behind the scenes to clear some stuff. But he came out, Orion came out right as the Orion constellation in the sky was coming above the horizon. Oh, you know, wow. I was like, no problem here. He's just waiting for his constellation to come <laughs> while he's arriving, you know. He knew his but, moment. Uh, he needed to seize it. Yeah. So it's kind of, that's, that's kind of a fun thing. Thank you there so are much many for things. sharing that. That is so yeah. cool. There are a lot of things that that is encouraging for parents to learn about. It's just really inspiring to just be informed about how can we welcome, invite, and then hold our children in sacred space as as energetic beings of light yep. uh, and so that they can do what they came here to do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And um, I'm wondering, as you say this all, I'm wondering how you connect all of this that we've just discussed about the energy medicine and energy work and all and the all of those things, how do you connect that with the concept of, of the divine feminine? Because I know that's a big part of your work as it is with mine. And what comes to mind for me is, as you describe this, I'm, I'm picturing a world where this isn't a subset. It's, it just becomes our conscious awareness of what is needed for a healthy, energetically attuned and expressive being to be successful and flourishing in this world. That it's not just a, oh, maybe this is something we could try. It's, it's an understanding that this is the way. Mm. And to me, that's one, when the divine feminine returns, it's that knowing of we've kind of got things flipped upside down right now. We do things in a manner that's very counterintuitive to our, our the truth of who we are. Yeah. And so as the divine feminine returns, it's more of that, Let's let our societal ways and practices align what's he- what's with what is most attuned to our true being and true expression. 
is that similar to your view of, of the divine feminine and, and bringing that and bringing women to speak more openly and, and practicing their, their gifts and their intuitions of this kind of work? Well, you know, the divine feminine, when I think about the divine feminine, I think of a vast body of warm intelligence that is relational, right? So I think about the divine feminine as being loving and being relational and also being really deeply and intuitively guided. It's really a beautiful step into uh, a leadership style that's based on connection and warmth and um, relationship. And that relationship for us can be with our own energetic anatomy and then can be with all other beings, not just humans, but all other species and the earth herself, acknowledging every life form as an, as an intelligent being of, of light. Um, and then also a really collaborative, like what you and I are doing right now, you know, like collaborating and having conversations, establishing connection, giving people resources in a fun and loving and warm way. Um, you know, and one of the things that I really experienced about the divine feminine when I became a mom, it was like I stepped into a different archetype of motherhood and I understood what does it mean to create a life form and then hold space for that life form. And I, I really kind of understood what it's like. Anybody who's done that will understand that we would never want to cause harm to somebody else's baby, you know, whether that be, you know, an animal or a person or, you know, another life form, everybody and everything is somebody's baby, you know? And so there's this sanctity for life that comes, um, at least came for me when I became a mother, there's so much love and time and investment and energy and effort put into raising even just one person, you know? And so there's this um, desire to create uh, harmony and safety and beauty um, uh, for all life that, that I think the divine feminine carries. Um, and I think it's really another thing for me in the divine feminine is there's no winners and losers. Like why do there need to be people who have power and people who don't, people have resources and people who don't, people who have money and people who don't. For me, it's all about win, win, win. It's the new triple bottom line. You know, I win, you win, they win. Like everybody wins, you know? <laughs> That's like so much more fun. Yeah, well, you know? and, and end to the the zero-sum game that we play now, you know, which is that there has to be a winner. Either you win or I win. There can't be both people who come out the, the victor, right? There has to be a zeroing out so that one person gets to be seen as greater than. And that creates such a, a misplace of energy, um, a, an energy dynamic that's a power dynamic that's gotten us into this such a fast-paced uh, masculine energy, which is we need to keep going and keep proving ourselves, keep proving yeah. our might. And that just keeps building on itself. And where where are we going? You know, we just keep competing. Whereas what you're describing, I, I picture a foundational floor. You know, the, if everybody's winning, then we're just slowly building this beautiful foundation up together of a, of a new experience that where everybody's connected to. Because to your point, everybody is a sacred being. Everybody is somebody's child, somebody's 
beloved. And when we can see each other that way, there is no competition. It's we're all helping each other out to get where we want to all be together. That feels like a big shift though, right now, compared to what our world looks like. Yeah. Well, it goes back to removing conditioning, you know, and like emancipating people from limited trapped perceptions that are inaccurate and harmful to themselves and others, you know, and it reminds me of, you know, we celebrate Christmas in my family and I, I am more excited about giving Christmas presents than I am about receiving them, you know? So it's like, it's just like, there is so much joy in giving and sharing and offering and supporting and collaborating, you know? And so when we are the winners and they're the losers, like we are actually missing out, you know? Everybody who thinks that they're winning is actually also being compromised. So let's all rise together, you know, and that's, you know, my main focus for the Childs of Light Women's Energetic Empowerment Program is, I, you know, I don't see myself as a spiritual teacher or an enlightened person or anything like that. I'm a person who has a lot of information and skills and a whole understanding of energetic anatomy that I can share so that we can all evolve and rise together, you know, and that's what I think is, is ideally happening for the collective. Well, that's very encouraging to hear that that's, that that's what you're seeing. And I see it as well, maybe not as, as quickly as we, we might hope, but it seems that we're beginning to catch on to something. It seems that everybody's really starting to recognize maybe there's a different way. You know, maybe there's, there's a different concept we can adhere to than what we have been. That's going to be, that's going to feel better. You know, not that it's, I think too often we do things because we think we should. Mm -hmm. I think right now when we think of the collective and helping one another, we feel it's that obligation. And and we just want to get right back to helping ourselves. But, you know, to your point earlier, Alma, when we give to somebody else, it opens our heart. And I personally, there's no better feeling than when your heart opens, when you literally feel like that, just that openness, your joy comes through. I Mm -hmm. I call it, you know, your soul coming through and it's, it's the best feeling. It's better than any you know, victory, because victory is so short-lived, right? Any sort of ego victory where you're like, yes, I'm the champion and I get all this recognition, but it's all external. But when your heart comes through, you're like, what is this feeling? I feel my heart. I feel my being. And I think if more people recognize that that's all we're talking about, you know, we're not talking about self-sacrifice and it's actually, you know, self, you know, expression, Mm -hmm. nothing hidden, nothing concealed. And being able to do that is, is such a wonderful feeling for, for everybody. Yeah. And there's another thing I'd like to mention when you're talking about, about that is I feel like there's a misunderstanding and sort of like that, if you wanted to say a masculine approach of like, I have to know my soul's purpose and then I have to do my soul's purpose, <laughs> you know, and I'm running out of time and I'm going to figure it out, you know, cause I'm failing at my soul's purpose. And, you know, I have a lot of women who come to me and they're like, I need to know my soul's purpose right away. You know, um, just making it to be another, you know, another achievement that we need to be the best at or that we need to do perfectly. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to say, okay, so what if, what if this, what if your soul's purpose is to just be awake to the magnificence of who you really are and allow the significant and unique expression that is you in your own divinity to radiate its light here on earth 
and then to follow whatever authentic inspiration comes to you. You know, maybe all of a sudden you're like, I just really feel like painting, you know, and maybe you make beautiful paintings that will live for hundreds of years after you're gone and bring beauty and inspiration to people, you know. Maybe you're, you feel like, oh, I really want to start a preschool, you know, or whatever is authentically inspiring to you. Maybe you want to sing and raise money to help rescue animals or, you know, start a foundation for clean water wells in African villages, you know, like whatever is authentically joyfully inspiring to you. So it doesn't even need to be a project. It can literally just be um, being a magnificent being of active, intelligent light. So this brings us back to what I say is at this point now, an essential part of our education uh, is energetic literacy. Like, who are you as an energetic being and what is available to you to enjoy in your life and what is available for you to radiate uh, that's unique and lovely within you out into the world that will benefit all life, you know? So I just wanted to, to mention that because I feel like there's this other form of um, egotistical pressure out there in the spiritual world of like, I have to have some amazing project that dismissal's purpose that I should have already been doing for the last 20 years, you know? And, and if it's just being, you know, and from that place of being, you can do whatever you authentically feel inspired to do, which might just be meditating, reading, and, you know, making popsicles. <laughs> Exactly. It's really, it's, it's, it's more about who we are and the, and the, the energy that we radiate than what we do. And if what we do comes from this place of being, then it will actually really be effective and it won't drain us. Like it'll be mutually beneficial and miracles will happen. So yeah. So <laughs> and I appreciate you, you bringing that up and, and identifying that because it's so true. And, and it is just a, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, indication of where we are right now we we are um at a place of consciousness you know we're, we're a fairly young species so we're we're still pretty preoccupied with what we're doing we don't really understand the concept of being you know we think that maybe we can be when we're meditating or doing yoga but we don't recognize that we're always being something and that what we're being is actually of the highest and greatest importance rather than what we could ever do um but to your point i think people do look at you know, their souls work and they're like, well, what's it going to look like? Am I going to start a business? Am I going to, you know, how much influence am I going to have? And they don't really want to hear what you said is that sometimes it's just maybe a feeling of love, unconditional love for something, you know, um, a place of peace that that might be your soul's purpose. Your soul might've come here just to experience peace while it's in a physical form. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, I remember learning this from Abraham Hicks too, is we'll come in yeah, so my vision is for everybody to understand their energetic anatomy, to understand that uh, we are magnificent beings of active, intelligent light with a divine design that's incredibly comprehensive. And um, to acknowledge ourselves as that, I'd love for that template to be in the medical system. I'd love for that template to be in every form of therapy that we have available. I would love for children, instead of just learning about their head, shoulders, knees, and toes, to also be learning about their 13 chakras and their nine layers and, you know, their um, divine presence, you know. 
Um, I'd also love to see this in veterinary medicine. I would love to see energetic anatomy being used to support surgeries, uh, medical procedures, attunements of medications and vaccines and implants. Um, and basically just a, a, an understanding of who and what we really are as a really good starting point. Um, and then an integration of who and what we really are into all of the systems that we already have. The other thing is for people to understand that guidance is not an airy-fairy thing. You actually have an anatomical place in your structure. And this, I'll hold the picture up. I don't know if you can see it. But in the layers picture that I was talking about, and Cover Up does his book, there's a purple layer. It's called the spiritual layer. And your intuition resides there in a very specific strata of the spiritual layer. And sometimes it gets lodged in a strata where it's not supposed to be, like the elemental strata, where your intuition will be stormy and, and dramatic and you know not that useful. Or maybe in the fairy strata where it'll be like delightful and playful, but silly, like, I don't know where turquoise tomorrow, you know? But the intuition strata is meant to be where the intuition is, is placed. So you can relocate your intuition and then it's available to you and it's reliable. It'll give you actually useful, pertinent information. The other thing is at the top of the structure where the core comes in right up here where that little um, flagpole of light comes in, you have what's called the four aspects of the authentic self. And they are the, the physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual aspects of yourself. And you can actually communicate with them directly and get very specific guidance because they know your soul's purpose and what you came here to be and share. And they can give you like, you know, in your physical life, do this. In your emotional life, psychological life, spiritual life, like very specific feedback and guidance. And and um, so there are all of these ways in which we can deeply listen to the voice of our soul, really deeply engage with and be guided by our own divinity. And here's what we live to and following the guidance of their own divinity. Of course, we're going to live in alignment with other species in the planet. Of course, we're going to come up with amazing new technology that helps us to live sustainably on Earth. You know, of course, we're going to come up with um, medical treatments and education systems and stuff like that that are supportive of people remembering and being magnificent beings of light. You know, um, and a lot of this conditioning and trauma that's been passed down for generations will be dissolving because, you know, we will be awakening. We won't be generating trauma. We'll be, you know, rising into our authentic self-expression. And so that's really what I see is, is available in my lifetime. Um, so again, I strongly encourage people to go to the website, uh, www.yoursacredanatomy.com. Um, um, I encourage people to get the book called Your Sacred Anatomy by Desda Zuckerman and start looking at images of who you really are. Desda has all these wonderful courses that you can take very inexpensively, like introducing you to your energetic anatomy. Um, there's a, a page there called uh, Sessions. And under Sessions, you can find all of the practitioners of sacred anatomy, energy medicine. I am there under the name Samantha Ravensong. Mm -hmm. um, so you could work with me or any other practitioner and just start playfully engaging in, you know, the vast, expansive <laughs> amazingness that is you. 
Um, and so, um, yeah, I just encourage people to find out more. And what if people would like to find out more about you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so um, I can be reached. My email is amaravensong at gmail.com. And again, you can find me at www.yoursacredanatomy.com under the sessions practitioners tab. And there's a whole lot of information there about me and the different programs that I offer. Um, And I would love for people to find me on Facebook at Ama Ravensong on Facebook and join the Chalice of Light page. Mm -hmm. And um, I would love to offer people a free chalice of light consultation. So if there's anybody who's listening to this call, who's interested in uh, my energetic empowerment program that combines uh, group activations, uh, eight, eight of them a year with uh, one-on-one sessions, um, I will offer you a one hour conversation for free. You can just email me at song at gmail and we can set that up and see if you'd like to join the program and I can answer any questions about it. And then I'd also love to offer people a clearing of the layers, all of those layers I talked about, clearing all of the debris from all of the layers. And so if you're interested in receiving that little package of those two healings, just to have like an appetizer of some of the things that are available in sacred anatomy, energy medicine, you can go ahead and email me at amaravensong at gmail.com and mention this podcast and I'll give you a a really special uh, package just for you. (laughs) What a generous offer. Who doesn't love an appetizer? (laughs) And delicious. Well, Amma, thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today. This is really remarkable. It's really exciting. And thank you so much for speaking to this, for sharing. Yeah, thank you. And the- Thank you for hosting this and for being so inspired to wake women up together. We're all in it together, right? Yeah. Yep. And slowly but surely. And I think that kind of like anything else, there, there's a, a period where gestation happens pretty slow and then things can all of a sudden start moving pretty quickly. And I, I'm yeah. hopeful that we'll see that in our lifetime, that we'll see the speeding up of, of an awakening that's going to be so exquisite. And because of people like you, people are going to know what they can do to start this process and to be a part of this process and to recognize the magnificence that they are. So again, thank you, Amma, for your work and for who you are and Mm. for allowing us to to start to get a new and exciting understanding about about this life and about ourselves and what we truly are. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for spreading the word. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Amma, thanks again. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Blessings. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.